All right, Rabbi say good morning, good morning. Today's daf, incredible daf ahead of us. Today's daf is Lamed Vav. We are, we are going to pick up on Lamed Hamid Bey's 35B, and we are picking up in the wide lines, two, four, six, seven lines into the wide lines, Aceve, our shir this morning, we thank our Talmud Torah sponsors, Jerry and Abby Applebaum, for dedicating all the shiurim this month in memory of Basya Bas Chaim and Dava Ben Avram. Doctors Paul and Linda Weinberg for dedicating the shiurim this month in memory of their son, Mordechai Yoshua Ben Paris Moshe Valea Miriam. Paul and Kathy Pollack for dedicating the shiurim this month for Kathy's sister, Donna Baker Madsen. Stephen Tarizin for dedicating the shiurim with gratitude to Hashem for their grandson, Bonim Tzvi Hirsch Zin. And Naftali Tilson for dedicating the shiurim with thanks to his chaver, Benjamin Wall, and with wishes of a Chag Kasher Esamech to the entire shir, and Avram and Shandy Kelman for dedicating the Shurm this month. Avram's mother, Bernice Kelman, Sarah Braina, Bas Yoshua Heschel. We hope that in the merits of our Talmud Torah, all of the Neshamas Lahavin Aviyah, the families in Nechaman, all those who require a refuah should have one together with Kol Chole Yisrael. Well, so with that, let us begin. Today's daf, as I mentioned, Lamed Vav, we're picking up Lamed Ham with Bays, seven lines down into the wide lines, Eisvei. Just to, just to regroup for a moment, we had a machlok, Yisrael The Mishnah introduced us to a fascinating case, which was, what happens if one does chalitza or yibum with a, with a yivama who is pregnant? Right? So, so again, without going through the entire Mishnah again, this then led to a machlokis Rabbi Yochanan and Rish Lakish, in a very specific case, namely, halacha lamaisa, uh, we'll call them right Reuven and Shimon, two brothers, Reuven passes away, Rachel falls to Shimon, Shimon does chalitza with Rachel, but it turns out that Rachel's pregnant, Rachel's pregnant, now again, the, the, the additional twist in this is, she miscarries, so now, right, she, so now we'll say, what's the shayla? Does he need to do chalitza again? Or did the chalitza that was done with pregnant Rachel, does that work? Rabbi Yochanan says, you don't have to do another chalitza. Reish Lakish says, she requires another chalitza. So now we're just in the back and forths between Rabbi Yochanan and Reish Lakish. Say, so, Rabbi Yochanan and Reish Lakish, Rabbi Yochanan is the Reish Lakish, Ein havlad shal The Mishnah said, right, in a case where the Yavama gives birth, if she does not give birth to a viable baby, and the Yavam, Performed yibum while she was pregnant. Yikayim ultimately is permitted to keep her as a wife. According to me, this makes sense that because I hold that chalitza on a pregnant woman works. Ubias and ultimately again yibum on a pregnant woman works as well. That's why the Mishnah says if she gives birth and unfortunately the baby is not viable, he's allowed to remain married to her. But according to you, who holds that Allah said the chalitza of a pregnant woman is not a proper chalitza, and ultimately yibum with a pregnant woman is not yibum, the Mishnah should say that after she gives birth and unfortunately the baby is not viable, he should have to repeat the process, either yibum or chalitza. Mayikayim inachinami says Reish Lakish Rabbi Yochanan. What does it mean when the Mishnah says he can remain married to her? Yachzer v'yival v'yikayim delosagi. Ultimately, what it means is he can remain married to her. If what? If what? If he does yibum again. Igadami, an alternate version of this. Eisver Reish Lakish Rabbi Yochanan. Reish Lakish is kasher Rabbi Yochanan. Ein havlad shal kayama yikayim. The Mishnah said if the baby. 
doesn't survive, the baby's not viable, and he did Yibam with her while she was pregnant, he could remain married to her, to which the Gemara says, I'm sorry, um, according to me, this makes sense. Rish Lakish says that Rish Lakish says, I hold that chalitza or yibam with a pregnant woman doesn't work. Rish Lakish, that's the Mishnah means. The Mishnah means that after she miscarries, you could remain married to her. What it means is. If you want to remain married to her, you can go ahead and do bi and do yibum or chalitza again. But according to you, Rabbi Yochanan, it should say that again. Whether you want to whether whether you want to go ahead and rely on the first yibum or chalitza, I did the I will say ultimately again, so according to Rabbi Yochanan, we'll say it's true. Once the Reisha said Yotzi, ultimately again, the Seifa said Yekayim as well. Fine. So we'll say, so again, bottom line, Rabbi Yochanan is trying to bring proofs against each other from the Mishnah, but neither has been successful so far. So therefore, again, we're still holding by the Machlokes. If you do Chalitza with your Yavama, who is pregnant, and then she subsequently miscarries, does that Chalitza work or not? Rabbi Yochanan says, Halacha yes. And Reish Lakish says, no. And by the way, the effect of saying no is what? After the miscarriage, what has to happen? He has to do Chalitza again. Good. So says the Gemar, If a person does Yibum, and it turns out that the Yibam is pregnant, was we were switching gears for just a moment. So let's say again, Reuven and Shimon, and Reuven is married to Rachel and Leah. They're not sisters, they're not this, just co-wives. Right, so what happens? So now Shimon does Chalitza, I'm sorry, Shimon does Yibum with Rachel. Shimon does Yibum with Rachel, and it turns out that she's pregnant. Rachel's pregnant. So the Bryce says, Leah, the co-wife, should not do anything. Until when? Right? Until we find out what happens with the baby. Why? Shema Yehei Vlad Ben Kayama. Because perhaps, perhaps Rachel will give birth to a viable baby. But let's say, say, if Rachel gives birth to a viable baby, then what? Then what? What's, what's Leah's status? She's fine, right? In other words, if it turns out that Rachel gives birth to a viable baby, then I'll say, then what? There's no Mitzayibum. There's only it's a yibum, in which case again Leah is just a regular widow. Adraba, Vlad Ben Kayama, I don't stand if that's the case, if the baby's gonna be viable, so that's good for I mean Bar Hashem is good for everyone, but it's good for Leah. Leah is then just a regular widow. Ben Kayama. No, no, no. Rather what we're concerned about is perhaps the baby will not be viable. If the baby's not viable, then what? Then the problem is over here that Shimon did Yibum with a pregnant Yivama. So ultimately, Yerush Lakish says, you see from here that what? That Allah says, Yibum with a pregnant Yivama doesn't work. Doesn't work. Otherwise, if it did work, the co-wife should be free to go about her business. Amr Abayi says like this, Rosh is interesting. Abai wants to make an interesting distinction. Abai says everyone agrees that Yibum with a pregnant Yavama does not work. 
does not work. Everyone agrees with that, right? And that again, we're going to have to wait to see what happens with the baby. And then once again, the Yavam will have to figure out, we'll have to do something again. Where's the Machlokes? The Machlokes, interestingly enough, is in Chalitza. Is in Chalitza. Rabbi Yochanan Sabra Chalitza's Muber Shma Chalitza. Bias Muber Sloshma Bia. Rish Lakish Sabra Bias Muber Sloshma Bia. Vechalitza Muber Sloshma Chalitza. So we'll say this is really interesting. So Abai wants to make this distinction that Allah Chalamayim said everyone will agree that Yibom with a pregnant Yivama is not going to work. What's the Machlokes? The Machlokes is Chalitza with a pregnant Yivama. Rabbi Yochanan will say it works. Right? Ultimately, again, Shlakish will say it doesn't work. Amalei Rava, Rava says that's ridiculous. Manav Shach, I bias muber shmabia, chalitzas muber shma chalitza, vi bias muber shlo shmabia, chalitzas muber shna milo shmabia, the hakai malan, tap of lamidvav, kala ola liibum ola le chalitza, the chal shein ola liibum ain ola chalitza. Rava says that flies in the face of everything we've been learning, which is again at the end of the day, if yibum with a pregnant woman works, then chalitza works. And ultimately, again, if yibum with a pregnant woman doesn't work, chalitza doesn't work. Why? Because we say our general principle is that what? Yibum and chalitza are what? Two sides of the same coin. Sa'aloch alamais, again, where one is going to be effective. Now, say, now that being said, we've spent many times speaking about cases where we will say that yibum cannot be done, chalitza can be done. That's different. What the Gemara is just saying over here is, in cases where there is a chiyav of yibum, if one is going to work, the other is going to work as well. There's no such thing as one working and not the other. Ela Amar Rava. Rava say, here we go. Rather, Rava comes along and he suggests as follows. Hachi kamar. Hakonis yivim tov and uberes. So we'll say, here's the case. Here's the case. Right? Reuven and Shimon. Reuven is married to two wives, Rachel and Leah. Un- they're unrelated to each other, right? So no, no sisters, no achas, not, none of that. Right? Shimon, to keep it simple, is single. So Reuven passes away. Rachel and Leah fall to Yibum, to Shimon. And now we'll say, what happens? Shimon does Yibum with Rachel. Does Yibum with Rachel. And lo and behold, what, what does he find out? Rachel's pregnant. Rachel's pregnant. Not from him. Not from him. Rachel's pregnant. So here's the case. If a person marries his Yivama, and it turns out that she is pregnant, Leah, the co-wife, should not do anything just yet. Okay. Now, I've also this makes sense. So, Rafa says like this. In this case, where Reuven did Yibum with Rachel, and it turns out that Rachel was pregnant, what do we tell Leah? What do we tell Leah? Wait, you, ha- you have to wait. Why? Because Rafa's saying, Halacha Lamaisa, what does everything hinge on? What does everything hinge on? The baby. Because we're all saying, what Rafa's saying is like this Yibum with a pregnant woman, with a pregnant, right, with a pregnant sister in law, doesn't work. Chalitza does not work. And the only time that a baby will exempt the wives from Yibum is when? When that baby is born and determined to be a viable child. So essentially now that we found out that Rachel is pregnant, 
everything goes into a holding pattern, right? Because remember again, even though Shimon had relations with Rachel, that's not Yibum. Why, Rav says? Rav says because bias leuberes lav shmabia, or you write Yibum with Yibum with a pregnant with a pregnant Yivama is not effective. So now the Yibum didn't work, but at the same time she may not even be subject to Yibum because she may be having a baby. But the only time the baby will exempt her from Yibum is when Rav says when if it's a Vlad Shal Kayama, a viable baby, which we'll only know once she gives birth. So essentially what Rav is saying is, if it turns out that the Yivama is pregnant, we tell the co-wife, wait, Leah, don't do anything. Don't do anything. Wait till Rachel gives birth. Let's see what happens then. Again, everyone say here are two possibilities. Possibility one is Baruch Hashem, baby's healthy. Baby's healthy, baby's healthy. What's, what's the halacha then? Everyone's good to go. Right now, the truth is, again, Shimon and Rachel can have a problem because at the end of the day, they inadvertently committed an act of Arayas, right, of Eshazach, but we'll leave that on the side for now. But Lamais, if she has a baby, everyone's good to go. They're widows, they're widows, that's their status, they're Amonis, they're good to go. If the baby Chas is not a Vlad Shal then what? Then what? Then once again, they're subject to Yibam slash Chalitza, but they'll have to repeat the process because Yibam Chalitza done during pregnancy does not work. Beautiful. So Tanya Kavasi di Rava. But see a bright side supports Rava. Sakoni Sivinto Venim Tesmu Uberes. If a person does Yibum with his Yivama and it turns out that she's pregnant, Hare Zu Lotina Seitzarasa, so the co-wife cannot remarry, should not remarry. Shema Yehe Vlad ben Kayama, Vein Bia Bachalitza Poteras, Ella Ella Vlad Poter, Vavlad in Potra. We'll say pretty much restated that which we just said. So again, when Shimon does Yibam with Rachel, and it turns out that Rachel is pregnant, we tell Leah, don't do anything, because let's see what unfolds. Because here's what we know. The Yibam that Shimon did with Rachel, ineffective. Why is it ineffective? Why is it ineffective? She's pregnant. And Allah again, so Yibam with a pregnant, with a pregnant doesn't work. That's Aleph. We also don't know about the baby, right? Because and the only time that the baby will impact the Yibam status is when? When the baby is born. So we tell the co-wife, sit tight, sit tight until again Rachel Bishatov Maslakas gives birth, and then we'll figure out what's happening over here. Taimba, the Shemei Vlad ben Kayama. So the reason we're concerned, or the, the issue is, perhaps the baby will be viable. Ha lo havi Vlad ben Kayama miftar tsarasa. Rabbi say if the baby is not viable, ultimately it sounds like Leah is free to go. So leme tehevitu of the reishlakish. I will say, does this not refute Reish Lakish? Because it sounds like, again, if the baby is Shal Kayama, then we're good. Amr Lachar Reish Lakish? No, no, no. Halki Katari, this means to say, Hakonis Yivim Tovinim Sesme Uberes. If a man does Yibum with, 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 right, Rushimim does Yibum with Leah, with Rachel, and she's found to be pregnant, Hare Zulotina Sesarasa, Leah shouldn't remarry. Why? Shemelo Yeheya Vlad Ben Kayama, because perhaps the baby will not be viable. Vechalitzas Meuberes Loshma Chalitza, Obias Meuberes Loshma. And ultimately, again, the Yibom or Chalitza that was done is ineffective. And therefore, once the baby is determined to be non-viable, they need to repeat some type of process. I ve'im tomar, halach achar rov noshim, ve'rov noshim vlad ma'al yaldon. But why don't you say, just go after the rov? In other words, we both say, it's interesting that we're going to make Leah, we're going to make Leah wait. Right? So Leah may have to wait. Now, again, remember, Leah anyway has to wait how long? Has to wait how long before getting married? Three months, right? I've already, but now you're going to make her go ahead and wait even longer. Halacha in order to go ahead and 
in order to go ahead and see what happens with Rachel's baby. But why don't we say rove? We'll say, what's the rove? Rove women give birth to healthy children. Baruch Hashem, why don't we just employ that rove? So the Gemara says, So, uh, so the Gemara says, Because I will say, the, the idea over here is, in this case, by Yibum, the offspring will only exempt once the baby comes into this world. So I will say, so it's interesting. Pregnancy by itself, that, that's why what's really fascinating about this is, what seems to come out according to everyone is, if it turns out that after Ruvain died, Rachel is pregnant, interesting enough, everyone says that what? What do we do in that case? You wait. Right? Remember again, this whole mess is coming up because you only found out that Rachel's pregnant after Shimon already did Yibum. But what's interesting to note is in a regular case, if Rachel's pregnant after the death of her husband, we say, wait, wait, we don't, we don't, we don't know what's going to happen over here until that baby is born. If that baby is born and Baruch Hashem is healthy, obviously no Yibum. If that baby is born and it's not viable, then once again we have, we have a Yibum situation. So the Gemara Sinbar will say, again, the wrinkle in this case is we only found out that Rachel is pregnant when? When? After Shimon did Yibum. So now again, we're trying to figure out ex post facto, so what's the status of, right? What's the status of the Yibum performed? But either way, when it comes to the co-wife, when it comes to Leah, we're going to tell her, sit tight, don't do anything right now, because let's see what the status of that baby is. I'm Rabbi Lazar. So Rabbi Lazar said, is it possible? Is it possible that Allah Chalamaisa, we have this statement of Reish Lakish and we don't find it anywhere in the Mishnah, to which the Gemara says, to which the Gemara says, Nafak Dakva Ashkach. So Rabbi Lazar went out and he found the position of Reish Lakish found in the Mishnah. Well, it's an interesting case. This nan, Haisha Shalach Baila Medina Sayyam. So let's listen to this. Let's say a woman. So again, same case. Reuven is married to Rachel and Leah. So what happens? So Reuven goes overseas with Leah and Rachel stays behind. Okay, and then what happens? And then what happens? So that then witnesses come back and they tell Rachel, Ruvain died while he was overseas. He died while overseas. And again, I will say the case over here, of course, is they have no children. Right? So now Rachel gets Eidos that Ruvain died. Now, I will say, now what's the issue over here? So I will say this is fascinating. We tell Rachel, don't do anything, right? You can't do anything until we find out if what? If Leah's pregnant, right? Because remember again, we only have testimony, not, not, as far as we know, right? So, so Leah is fine. Leah is fine. She went overseas with Ruvain. All we know is that Ruvain died. We don't know anything about this. We're assuming Leah's still alive. So we tell Rachel, Rachel, even though now we know that you know that your husband is dead, Halachal Amaisi can't do anything. Again, in other words, are, are you subject to Yibum, not subject to Yibum? Well, we got to find out what Leah's status is. Is Leah pregnant? So the Gemara says, so, I'm sorry. So, so Bishlama Yibume Lo Vlad Ben So I understand why we don't want Rachel to do Yibum. Why was so why can't we have Rachel do Yibum? Because Halochal if she does Yibum and it turns out that Leah was pregnant and Leah gave birth to a viable baby. So if we and, and, and in the meantime, if Rachel did do Yibum, we'll say it turns out that what? That's not Yibum. What is it? What is it? Right? Eshazach. 
Right? She just had relations with her with her brother-in-law, which is problematic. Ella looked Ella looked tachlots amai. So we said, listen to this. But why don't we just let her do chalitza? Listen to this. Bishlama tachlots besochtes vitinase besochtes. Hello, hainu safek. So I understand if you don't want her to do chalitza within nine months and get married within nine months, that's still within the window of safek. Ella tachlots besochtisha vitinase laachadisha. Rabbi say, why don't we just why don't we just let Rachel do chalitza? Just do chalitza. See, Rabbi say. What's the beauty of Chalitza? In general, what's the beauty of Chalitza? The beauty of Chalitza is what? Kind of like, no harm done. No harm done. In other words, Rachel's sitting here. Here's what she knows. What does Rachel know? What does Rachel know? Her husband's dead. That's what she knows. What doesn't she know? Is Leah pregnant or not? So, okay, obviously we're just going to have to wait. Right? We're going to have to wait for news, wait to find out. So, wants, I understand she can't do Yibum. Because again, if it turns out that, that Leah is pregnant, then Halach Alamai says she just committed an Israel Shazah. But just let her do Chalitza. She won't remarry now. In other words, she's going to wait to remarry. Wait to remarry. But just let her, let her get the Chalitza done now. In other words, both like, you know, one could make the argument that Chalitza is kind of like a get. You know, conventional wisdom with a get is, is get it done. Get it done. Husband's here, husband's available, get it done. Why? Because we will say, what happens if the husband is a flight risk? What happens is, so if you have Rachel waiting here to find that information, just let her do chalitza. She's not going to get remarried now. Let her do chalitza. Let her get remarried after nine months means she'll get remarried later, but at least get the chalitza done now. Okay, so as much as this is a good idea, sounds like a good idea, here's the problem. What are we concerned about? This is the following situation. Let's play this out, okay? Step one, step one, right? Ruvain and Leah go on a trip overseas, right? Rachel stays behind. Rachel stays behind, okay? Leaving aside the Shalom bias dynamics and that, right? Rachel stays behind, okay? Step two, Rachel gets testimony, Ruvain died. Ruvain died, okay? Now, what's the problem? We don't know. Is Leah pregnant or not? Leah pregnant or not? So therefore, we'll say, what do we tell Rachel? What do we tell Rachel? Wait. Wait. So the Lord suggests, why does she have to wait? Yibam, I understand, is not on the table. Because it, it turns out that Leah is pregnant and Rachel does Yibam. It's not Yibam, that's called Arias. Good. So therefore, but why not just do Chalitza and wait? Just get, get the Chalitza done. Check the box, right? Get it done just in case. And get it done just in case. And I will say, because what's our logic with that? Worst case scenario, worst case scenario, Chalitza doesn't hurt Rachel. In other words, even if Halacha Lamaisa, even if Halacha Lamaisa turns out that Leah's pregnant, fine, so she didn't need Chalitza. But Lamaisa, just get it done. So what's the Tushin says? It does hurt. I'll tell you why. Let's play this out. Let's say it turns out, Mazel Tov, Leah gives birth to a healthy baby. So we'll say, when Leah gives birth to a healthy baby, it turns out that what? What was the status of that Chalitza that Rachel performed? Unnecessary. Then I will say, now watch this. So, we'll say, now watch this. Chalitza does have an impact. What's the impact of Chalitza? Chalitza precludes a woman from marrying a Kohen. So therefore, again, I will say, so watch this. When Rachel does, when Rachel does Chalitza, let's say during the nine months that she's waiting to hear about Leah, so she does Chalitza, the effect of that Chalitza is what? She can't marry a Kohen. Now, what's going to happen when Rachel gives birth and it turns out that, sorry, when Leah gives birth 
And it turns out that Rachel never needed chalitza. What do we have to do? What do we have to do? We have to make an announcement. Right? What's the announcement? What's the announcement? Rachel is an almana, and she, she's not a chalutza. She's permitted to marry into the kuhuna. Okay, so the Gemara says, we don't want to, we don't, we don't, we have to make an announcement. The Gemara says, so fine. So, so make the announcement. What's the big deal? Just make the announcement. I, I understand. Just make the announcement. Because say, what are we concerned about? We're concerned about for confusion. The Rebbe say there are going to be people who are going to hear about. There are going to be people who hear about who hear about um, the chalitza, but they don't stay till the end of shul for announcements, yeah. right? They're already making kiddush, right? So I say, so what's going to happen? They're not going to hear the announcements. So it's gonna and, say, so, and what's gonna happen? So when they don't hear the announcement and they see at some point in time later on Rachel marrying a Kohen, they assume that what is that? What is that? That's a chalutza marrying a Kohen. So therefore, I will say, in order to avoid confusion, the halacha tells Rachel sitai. So I will say, even though one can make the cogent argument to say just let her get the chalitza done, it's just done. Lamaisa, we are concerned for the confusion that that will cause. Incredible. Does the Mishnah say that she can't do chalitza or do yibam? So it says, ultimately, again, she shouldn't go ahead and get married to someone else or do yibam. But actually, it doesn't say chalitza. So Abaye says, actually, the truth is, although we ideally don't want her to do anything, if halacha lemaisa, she did do chalitza, she did do chalitza, it would work. It would work. Tanya kavase direish lakish. I will say we have a bright set supports reish lakish. Hachalitz lemeuberes veepila. So I will say if a person did chalitz, back to our regular case, right? Ruben passes away, leaves behind two wives, Rachel and Leah. Shimon does chalitza with Rachel, but it turns out that Rachel is pregnant. And subsequently, Rachel miscarries. Tzricha chalitza mina achin. Ultimately, she requires another chalitza. Why? Because any yibam or chalitza done with a pregnant yivama is inconsequential, <coughs> halachically insignificant. Amar Rava, Rava says, Hilchasa kavasi de reish lakish bahani tlas. So Rav said, Da'alacha falas reish lakish in these three cases. Case number one, Chada Hada Amran. Rav Osei is the case that we just mentioned. So Rav Osei, the Gemara is suggesting that Da'alacha follows reish lakish, which is that any time you do chalitza or yibum with a pregnant yivama, that chalitza or yibum is irrelevant. And I will say that is indeed how the Raman Paskins in Hilchos Yibum Bar Chalitza, Perak Aleph, Halacha Chof. Listen to this. The Raman writes, If a person does chalitza with his yivama, and it turns out that she's pregnant, and she has, she has a baby, so the Ramam writes over here, if the baby is viable, then it turns out that ultimately it was, Chalitza was never done, and therefore she's a widow, and she is muteres to the Kohen. But Allah Lamaisa, if she, if she went ahead and she miscarried, the Allah is, you have to do Chalitza again. You have to Chalitza again. Therefore, so the Ramam Paskins like Reish Lakish, it's very important, Ramam Paskins like Reish Lakish, that Chalitza, or yibum done during pregnancy is halachically irrelevant. And therefore, again, if she has, say now this, this cuts both ways. If she has a baby and the baby is viable, then what's her status? What's the yibum status? She's a widow. 
she is not a chalutza. Therefore, what? She's permitted to marry a Kohen. Conversely, if she miscarries, so if she miscarries now, once again, she is subject to Yibam Chalitza. The initial Chalitza that was done is halachically irrelevant. And halacha lamaisa, again, one of the brothers, it could be the same brother, but one of the brothers has to repeat the process of either Yibam or Chalitza. Therefore, the Rambam also says that halacha lamaisa, in the second case, which is where there's two wives, Ruven, Pazway, Rachel, and Leah, both wives fall to Shimon. If Shimon does Chalitza, Let's say with Rachel, and it turns out that she's pregnant. We tell the co-wife Leah to sit tight, to sit tight until until Rachel ultimately gives birth, and then based on what happens with the baby, that will determine Leah's status as well. Beautiful. I'll say that's so, that, so again. So that's number one. So now I'll say we're transitioning a little bit over here. So now comes along comes along Rava, and Rava says that three cases. Case number one is Chalitza Meuberes. Chalitza Meuberes or Yibu Meuberes. Loshma Yibum, Loshma Chalitza. That's case one. What's case two? So the Mar says, Idach Tisnan Hamechalik Nechasov Al Piv. But this is a very interesting case. But say this is a Yerusha case. Let's say a man has three sons: Reuven, Shimon, and Levi. Reuven is the Bechar, firstborn. So we'll say, What's the halacha by Bechar? What's the halacha by Bechar? Pishnayim. Right. So, so the firstborn son gets a double portion. In this case, the father will call him Yaakov. Is doing something very interesting. He's dividing up his estate while he's still alive. Right? So, Hamachalik Nechasev Al Piv. So, I'm sorry, Yaakov is going ahead. Rashi says over here, four lines are from the bottom. Achrei Divrei Piv, Velobistam Yerusha Bishtiga. See, I will say, if, let's say, let's say Yaakov never, never, never does any estate planning and he dies, and he dies. Shabbosai, the Torah essentially divides up his estate, right? The Torah says that what? The Bukhari gets a double portion, right? And, every, and everyone else shares equally in the estate. And every part of the estate is divided up equally amongst the three sons. In this case, Reuven is actively giving away his property to his sons while he is still alive. Now watch this. If when gifting away his estate, he makes all of his sons equal, then ultimately it works. It works. I will say, take a look at Rashi. Listen to this. What's happening over here? Yaakov is gifting his estate. I will say, when you gift your estate, or when you gift away your property when you're alive, you can gift it how? How? However you want. By the way, this is actually very important because, again, it's very important in general. Having a will, is, having life insurance is very important. Having a will is very important. And just understand, if you're going to have a will, it is very important to utilize an estate attorney who knows halacha. Because, again, you do not want to do estate planning that runs contrary to halacha, especially if you have a halachic bukhar. So there are, there are mechanisms that one could... But let's say, again, I, I, have, I have children. I want all of my children to share in my estate equally. Again, you have to go to an estate attorney who understands this. I don't want to plug anyone specifically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's someone whose name rhymes with Yaakov Rappaport, who's very good at this, right? So, so again, so, so, so again, so, so you have to go to someone who understands this. And there are ways that one could do this. Because for example, there are, doc, there are mechanisms that you could use to essentially trigger a pre-death gift. 
you could create a retroactive gift that's chal one moment before you die. So when you gift away your property, when you gift away your property, halacha before you die, you can gift it away however you want. Right? That you can do however. So you have a bachar, you want all of your kids to get equal. You want girls. You want girls. You want your daughters to inherit with your sons. Because remember, I'll say, in halacha, in halacha, girls don't inherit. Right? Boys inherit. But I want my daughters to inherit my property as well. Again, if I leave a will that says my daughters inherit, so then ultimately, again, in halacha, that will is bottle. Because that's masna amasha kasav batorah. If you make a tenai that runs contrary to Torah law, we're going to see it's just one, the tenai is bottle. But again, if I create a pre-death gift, then Allah Lamaisa, I could do whatever I want. Very, let's say, it's so important. We, we like to think that estate planning is only for people who are older. But, but Lamaisa, Lamaisa, especially once a person has children, it's a must. It doesn't matter how young you are. We never know what life holds in store. And we have an achrayas to those who we love to make sure that they are properly taken care of in the event that something happens to us. So therefore, again, on that note, on that note, good, good. <laughs> So I said, the Gemara says as follows. The Gemara says as follows. So again, if there's one, right, in the Daf Chazara today, it's going to be life insurance and a halachic will. Now, I don't mean, when I say halachic will, I don't mean the, like the halachic advanced directive. That's okay, let's get into it. Right? That's important also, right? You have to put forward how are, you, how are your end of life decisions being made. Don't leave these things to just your family to figure out. Be explicit. There are wonderful documents like this. Rabbinical Council of America has, I, I think, has the best healthcare proxy. It's simple. It just simply says, I'm an Orthodox Jew. I want my end of life decisions made in conformance with halacha. Here are the rabbis that I want consulted in the event that there are halachic decisions to be made. And gamarnu. You file it. You put it with your, with your will, with your estate information. Give a copy to your family. And again, you save them so much agmas nefesh. Create a will, an estate planning with a halachic will. Save so much Agmas Nefesh. Life insurance hopefully saves so much Agmas, or at least diminish a little bit of Agmas Nefesh. Okay, good. Sigma says as follows. So if our person goes ahead and divides up his estate amongst his children, gives it as a gift while he's still alive. So Allah it works. Even though, again, you're giving all the kids equal shares. It works. Vim Amar Mishum Yerusha Lo Amar Klum. But I will say, listen to this. However, if you said like this, Ruvain, Shimon, and Levi, I want you all to inherit my estate equally, so that, that statement doesn't work. Now, both say, now why doesn't that statement work? Because once again, Rashi says, Shehisna Amasha Kasuv Batora Utna Bato. See, now both say, when does it work? When does it work to give your property to your children equally? Well, you're framing it as what? A gift. But the moment you say, I want you all to inherit equally, that does not work. Now, both say, when we say it does not work, it means, Someone could take that will, right? Challenge it in a basedin, and the will will be de- it will be deemed invalid. It will be deemed invalid because halacha lemaisa. If you make a will that runs contrary to biblical law, which is what you're doing when you say you want all of your children to inherit equally, masna mashakasu batora tinao batel. Right? The tinai is batel. To which the Gemara says, listen to this. Lo amar klo. So, kasa be'em etchila be'em besov be'em e'emza mishum matana 
Tavarav Kayamin. Now, we'll say, Halacha Lamaisa, if you went ahead and somewhere in that document, now let's say you're drafting a document, somewhere in the document you put in the word Matana, as long as you put in the word Matana, somewhere in the beginning, the end, in the middle, you're good to go. Otherwise, once you have Matana in there, then it's clear that this arrangement is not operating Alts Yerusha, but it's operating, it's operating Alts Matana, that's fine. Tavarav Kayamin, Amin Beis, Amin Reish here we go. Rish Lakish says, Li'olam Lokana, Ad Shiomar Ploni Uploni, Yershu Sadeh Plonis Uplonis, Shenasatim Lahem Matana Virashum. Rish Lakish says that Halacha Lamaisa, no. The word, Siyabosai, according to the first opinion, as long as the word Matana appears somewhere in there. Now, let's say you say, I want to give Ruvain, you know, field A, but Matana. And I want to give Shimon field B. But I say, let's say Yerusha, don't say Matana. And I say, right, Levi, Yerusha, not Matana. First opinion is that as long as you have the word Matana in there somewhere, you're fine. Rachel Lakish says, no. Matana has to be mentioned by every single one of the children, or every single one of the inheritors. Rashi says, Amar Yoresh Ploni Sada Ploni Bitinasin Sada Ploni Laploni Rebiokramakana Afilo Haidi Rusha Timidad Kalashwatana Bahai Amshunashi Hai Star Tzaval Lechaminai Kulunai Matanilu. So we'll say, Rebiokran says like this As long as you mention, this is so exciting, as long as you mention Matana by one of the sons, that's enough. Why? Because it's understood. Once you mention Matana once, Rebiokran says, We understand, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're effectively creating a Matana. For all of them. Right? That's what's happening over here. Reish Lakish says, no. Li'olam lo kane dahud Yerusha damina lahai havi matana lahai Yerusha at Shiyomar. No, Reish Lakish says, you have to say matana by each of the kids. Got to say matana. Then I both say, what is interesting over here is, you could actually mention Yerusha as well. Isn't that interesting? You could say the word inherit. Because we understand in this context, inherit really means much more what? What does it really mean? Acquire. Acquire. But you have to have the word Matana in there. Incredible, Rabbi Osei. So listen to this. So therefore, again, so therefore, Rabbi, I was very excited. I was like, it feels, feels good. Like the, I mean, I love you. I happen to love Yuvamas. But you can't lie. It feels nice to step out of Yuvamas just for a few minutes, right? Or I guess I did it for 12 minutes already. Right? So I'm never finished it down. I was so again, but again, I, I didn't mean it like that. I, I mean, Yavamis is wonderful, right? But just sometimes, like, it's nice to get a taste of a, of a little something else. So Rabbi says, it's like a side dish, like a side dish. It's nice. The main, the main is incredible. Yavamis is fantastic. But the nice side. So he says, So Rabbi says, remember again, Rabbi saying that Allah is in these three cases. Case number one, case number one is that Chalitza or Yibam with a Uberis doesn't work. Case number two is that if you want to gift away your property during your lifetime to your children and get everyone to share equally, you could do that. But you must use the Lashon of, of Matana by which kids? By which kids? Every single kid. Incredible. Incredible. So it says, the Gimar V'idach, this nan. We'll say another case. Another case. Hakosib kol mechasov libno la'achramoso. This is actually an interesting case. We'll say, let's say I go ahead and I, I write that my son will inherit in all of my property after I die. Now, look at Rashi. What I'm doing over here is as follows. I write a document. I, I, have, I have a property. And I write a document to my son. I hereby go ahead and bequeath this property to you. From today and after my death. In this, without getting into all the technicalities over here, but in a situation like this, essentially what I'm doing is 
I'm giving away title, but retaining usage, or in halacha what we call peros. So from that point, essentially, my son has title, but I get to use the property, and I and I retain the rights to the peros. This is interesting. So now here, here's the case. Literally, again, I'm writing a document that says misasi. From today and after my death, I hereby give you this property. So the effect of that is, my son has title, I have peros, I have usage. Now what that effectively means is what? So we'll say, listen to this. Can I sell the property? Can I sell the property? Not really. Well, not really. No. Why? Because Lamaisa, I don't have title. I have usage, but I don't have title. But my son can't sell it either. Why? Because interestingly enough, he has title, but he doesn't have usage. So essentially, interestingly enough, during the period of time between the time that I write this document and die, so Lamaisa, again, no one really has the right to sell. Now, how can it be sold? How can it be sold? Right? If they both agree. Right? So again, you, there, there is a case in which you can sell it, but father and son would need to agree to the transaction. Watch this. Macharaav. I will say, let's say I go ahead and I sell it anyway. I sell the property anyway. Ultimately, again, if I sell it, so I will say, this is interesting. If I sell it, what am I essentially selling? What am I selling? Peros. Rashi says, so ultimately, again, if I end up selling it, what I'm really selling are my rights. So technically speaking, I could sell my rights to Peros, but I will say there's an expiration date on that purchase. What's the expiration date? My death. Right? Because the moment that I die, then the entire field goes to my son. Goes to my son. So what happens if the son sells it? But we'll say, what if my son sells the property during my lifetime? In that case, I will say, if my son sells it, essentially what my son is selling is a right to the property after I die. Because when I'm alive, the sale doesn't really have any kind of consequences. Now watch this case. So it says the Gemara. So God said, good. So if I sell, if I sell, I'm selling payrolls. If my son sells, there's nothing really that's happening. He could sell. He could sell. Essentially, what he's saying is his future right to inherit this property. He could do that. Watch this. Oh. We'll say, what happens? Listen to this case. What happens if the son sells the property, but then the son predeceases his father? Son predeceases his father. What happens in this case? Ultimately, again, Rabbi Yochanan says that when the father subsequently dies, the purchaser does not acquire the property. Reish Lakish says, no, when the father dies, when the father dies, the purchaser acquires the property. So, so in this case, again, remember, so what's happened? Son, so same thing, father writes to the son, this is your property, again, from today until I die. Son, or from when, until, when I die. Son has, so father has payros, son has title. Son goes ahead and sells the property during lifetime of the father but then son predeceases his father. So the shayla is now, upon the death of the father, does the property go to the purchaser? Rabbi Yochanan says, no. Rish Lakish says, yes. Rabbi Yochanan essentially says like this. The moment that the son predeceases the father, the father essentially becomes the sole owner of the field. Why? Because Kenyan Peros is Kenyan Aguf. He already had usage. And usage is already like quasi-ownership. 
the death of the son cements his ownership, and therefore, again, the sale that the son made to the purchaser is effectively void. Rishlagish says, Rishlagish says, upon the death of the father, ultimately the purchaser does acquire. Why? Kinyan Peros, lav kinyan hagoftami. Peros is not like ownership. So even though the father had usage, usage is not ownership. And therefore, again, the father retains the right to use the field all the days of his life. But Lamaisa, once the father dies, that triggers the sale that the now deceased son made. And Halach Lamaisa, upon the death of the father, the field becomes the property of the purchase. And Rabbi say, that is indeed how we paskin. Right? That is indeed how we paskin that Allah in this type of situation where the son sold the field during the lifetime of the father, and now ultimately again the, fa- the son predeceases the father. When the father dies, the property becomes the the the, pro- the property comes under the ownership of the purchaser. So therefore, I will say we have three cases in which we paskin like Reish Lakish. Case number one, Chalitza or Yibum with a with Uberis with a pregnant Yivama is ineffective. Case number two, you could gift away your property to your children during your lifetime, however you want. Thereby, essentially, what are you doing? Both say, when you do a lifetime gift, what are you effectively doing? What are you doing? You're circumventing biblical inheritance law, which is totally fine. You're, you're, that's not a problem. You could do that. You could absolutely do that. But again, you must include lashon of what? Matana by who? Each and every kid. And case number three, halacha lamais, we pass like Lakish, Kenyan peros, lavka kenyan aguf, right to usage is not like complete ownership. And therefore, in this case, where the son went ahead and sold the property, sold his right, essentially sold the title to the property that only becomes fully actualized after the death of the father. And then what happens? The son predeceases the father upon the death of of the father, the purchaser acquires the property. Beautiful. Let's go back to Rabbi Osei. Einavlat shal kayama. So we'll say, remember again, the Tanah Mishum Rabbi Eliezer, Amru Yotzi Beget. So we'll say, so remember again, in this case, what did we say? Einavlat shal kayama. So we'll say, in this case over here, remember, this was a situation, this was a situation where a person did chalitza with his Yivama, right? So Shimon, did Chalitza with Rachel, with his, with his sister-in-law, and it turns out that she's pregnant. Right? So remember again, what did we say? If ultimately, again, if, if, if it turns out that the baby is not viable, turns out that the baby is not viable, um, right? Eina Vat Shalchayama, Yikayim. I'm sorry, but this is actually the end case. This is the end case. Um, no, 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 I'm sorry. Eina, sorry. If it turns out that the baby was not viable, ultimately, again, the Mishnah said, Good. She's, she's prohibited to his relatives. He's prohibited to her relatives. So it says the Gimara. Good. He has to give her a get. He has to give her a get. Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Lazar, Amru Davar Echon, Rabbi Eliezer Hada Amran, Rabbi Meir Disayabosay, here we go. Lo Yisa Adam Uberes Chavera Nabosay. So this would be talking about a situation where Halachala Maisa, Halachala Maisa, sorry, let me clarify. Ruvain did, sorry, Shimon, the surviving brother, did Yibum with Rachel, the widow. Right? She turns out that she's pregnant. Then Nabosay, what happens? What happens? So Halachala Maisa, Halachala Maisa. The Vlad is shot, right? The baby does not survive. So, says, so now we've already established that the Yibom is not a good Yibom. 
In addition to that, in addition to that, Rabbi Eliezer says he has to give her a get. He has to give her a get. Okay, we'll discuss the mechanics of that as well. So the Gemara says, well, it comes along, comes along Rabbah, and Rabbah says, Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Lazar, both said one thing. Rabbi Eliezer had the Amran, Rabbi Meir, both said, listen to this case. This Sanyo, lo yisa adam u'beres chavero menekes chavero, a person cannot marry, u'beres chavero menekes chavero, so the halacha is that if a woman is pregnant, and let's say her husband dies, let's say her husband dies, another man cannot marry her during her pregnancy. Similarly again, if a woman is widowed, but she's still nursing her child from her first marriage, you cannot marry these women. Rabbi say, what's the problem with marrying Mu'ubaras Chavero or Meinekes Chavero? It's a concern ultimately, again, for the, for the pregnancy or for the nursing baby. What we're concerned about is that if a man marries, a woman is pregnant, let's say again, she becomes pregnant again. I will say what works again. The physiological possibility of that is again, person could have an ectopic pregnancy. There are things that do happen. We're concerned that the pregnancy is not going to be properly taken care of. Or halacha if a nursing woman becomes pregnant, her milk supply is diminished, thereby putting her baby at a disadvantage. Differ Chazal said, do not marry a woman who is pregnant from another man or ultimately nursing another man's child. And if you did marry Yotzi. Rameer says you have to divorce her and you are never permitted to remarry her. say, you have to divorce her. You have to divorce her now, but what? After the, after the prohibited window, you are permitted to go and remarry her. So, both say, so therefore, again, the Gemara is suggesting, Rabbi Lez says the same idea, that you have to give a get to this particular woman in question. We'll stop over here for today. Sorry, we went through this last piece quickly. We'll pick up with this sugya tomorrow, as well as the obligation to give a get in this case of mistaken yibum.